I mean, this is 90 miles away from us, right? And as much as we talk about lack of freedom and dictatorships and how everything is going to be taken from us, 90 miles away from us, this is taken away from people. The fact that they can't uh, essentially have any kind of freedom of speech to say and be and live where they want and do what they want. I mean, for people to be on a hunger strike to try to get their, I guess, community member out of being wrongfully accused of I don't know what, they all get taken away by the government at that point. It's pretty incredible that just 90 miles away we would be okay with that. And then also, we're also okay with the fact that everyone is under this assumption that Cuba is better. This is not better. This is not better. This is not okay. This is not acceptable. And as much as we want to sit here and talk about all the freedoms that we don't have or that we're scared of not having, simply 90 miles away from us, people don't have them. And welcome. Action. Action. <laughs> welcome to a weird new episode of Pancom Podcast. Impromptu. Super impromptu. This was uh, impromptu and rescheduled slightly over the course of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh you have become uh, an automotive consultant, uh, and Petey the Dog is now sponsoring this podcast. He is. And I just help people. Yeah, sure. I'm willing to help anybody. Oh, that's good. Not anybody, just good people. Right. Right. We're narrowing this down very fast. Sure. Uh, the Miami Prophet. Oof, that's a <laughs> oh, hot topic. Oh, oh, sick burn. We can do that, but I don't know if that's what you would I know that's not what you wanted to do this for right no. now. Uh, that's um, accurate. We, I think we both have an interest in talking about what we wanted to talk about, but yeah. But why don't you lead us in? Like, what was your motivation? Because I was already kind of like engaged on the subject away from the podcast, but right. you were the one who really said like, "Let's do this thing." So, what's where's your head? Well, I think, uh, and we said nothing about it. But. Right. I think uh, this year there's been so many topics that people are always up in arms about, and I think just because of the recent episode that we did with Rosa Maria. Mm-hmm. I hope that some of the people that do listen to this, the, of the 22, maybe there's a percentage of them that are interested in topics of Cuba. And I think that the one thing that we have talked about off air has been that there's not a bunch of English media that talk about it. Right. Which I was actually happy that uh, the Herald actually wrote an article about it yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the current situation in Cuba is one of which that I think – Anyone that thinks that Cuba has changed and thinks that um, the people of Cuba have more freedoms than they did before or that there is more freedom of speech, so on and so forth. I think just what's happened over the last two weeks, right? Has it uh, been less? Uh, a little more, maybe. So since this, it, technically the 6th, mm-hmm. um, but even really before that. But yeah, like at least like basically all month. And... There, there's a few people that listen to this podcast, and I think that even if we can educate one more person on the situation and one more person on what's happening currently in the country and how things have not really changed, I think then what we're doing is all well worth it, right? So let's talk about the current situation. Sure. And I'm, I'm going to give you the floor because you're obviously more educated on the how to eloquently put this than I am. So, And I'm going to do a little bit of like referring to... Uh, not so much notes as like posts that I've done about this thing because it's a lot of things. It's a lot of moving parts, a lot of things. Um, 
but uh, and I'll, I'll caveat this by saying I am by no means an expert on on the issue, especially this particular organization. But in Havana, there is uh, a group called the Movimiento San Isidro, uh, or the San Isidro Movement, uh, which is just named for their neighborhood in Old Havana. And my understanding is that it's basically a collective of uh, artists and activists and others uh, who, in various ways, do things to promote freedom in Cuba. Uh, that sounds vague, but uh, given that it's a, a diverse collective intellectually and what have you, uh, they do all sorts of different things. For example, some of them are performance artists and they might do performances that you know regularly get them arrested and so on and so forth. Uh, so one of these people uh, named Denis Solis, uh, I, I want to say maybe in 2018, but I, I could be wrong about that, uh, as an example, released a song uh, called, I think, Sociedad Condenada or Condemned Society. Una sociedad bajo la oscuridad, bajo la garra de un homicida, si te lo que él determina. The content of it is very explicitly, uh, and by that I just mean directly, not explicit in the sense of like uh, naughty language, although there might be some of that. Uh, Did you say naughty language? Naughty language, yeah. You like that? Go on. I have the floor. You gave it to me. Way to stay woke, huh? Uh, yeah. So, so anyway, my, my point is that it's very directly in opposition to the government. It's very it's commentary on how fucked up the system is in Cuba. Uh, and so, because of work like that, he has over the years consistently been uh, fined and arrested and and cited for various bullshit crimes uh, in in Cuba, and there are many of them. On the 6th, um, I believe, he was in his home when a Cuban police officer entered his home, uh, and there's video that he shoots uh-huh. uh, of his interaction with this cop, and he's basically telling this cop, like, hey, what are you doing? This is a, a home. Why are you in here? The cop says, oh, this is a hallway. He says, this is not a hallway. This is a home, and you need to get out of here. And then, like, a, a long, several minutes long exchange ensues where he's basically telling the cop to get the fuck out of his house. Se puede retirar un tico afuera? Para después yo pedirte, exigirte una explicación de por qué tú me estás molestando a mí. The cop uh, kind of stalling for time as he takes pictures and videos. There's no, there's no doubt in the process that he's trying the fuck out of the cop. No, for sure. I mean, he, he is. Yeah, he he questions the cops' masculinity. He uh, does his yeah. leader's masculinity. Right, the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, and and again, to not be vague about it, he and I'm roughly translating here. Uh, basically, tells the guy, and this is not. I want to be clear here. It's very clear watching this video that he's doing this because he knows it'll get under this cop's skin, right. not because of anything that he thinks personally. But it's basically like, what's going to piss this guy off? I need him out of my house, and he tells him, uh, "Raúl Castro's a faggot, and you bend over for him." Yes. Uh, is basically what he says in Spanish. Um, so so this cop leaves, and then days later, uh, Dennis is arrested on the street, and they're not making any bones about it. Like, I think that they explicitly say, like, for contempt or for some mm-hmm. bullshit thing like that, which is basically like insulting a police officer, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, 
people can, uh, and we'll get into maybe some of this later, but people can make all the comparisons they want about how, you know, whether or not we live in any part of the U.S. under something like Castro's Cuba. But the fact is that here, at the very least, even at your most cynical and critical of the government, they are finding some other more legitimate sounding bullshit. Not you are being arrested for insulting somebody. That does not exist here. Uh, in Cuba, they don't have to pretend. It's you insulted this guy. We're arresting you for contempt. Not in court, just on contempt on the street. You just are being an asshole yeah. and you're arrested. So on the 9th, he's arrested. Um, and the response of his, uh, let's call them like, I don't know, fellow members of the San Isidro movement is to go on a hunger strike. Meaning, uh, and the reason for this is that they had been gathering at their headquarters, which is basically a private home they treat as their headquarters because this group exists illegally in Cuba. And you can go back to our Rosa Maria Paya episode for some context, right, about like how organizations form and are not allowed to form in Cuba. Uh, when they were gathering together to do some form of protest, uh, for instance, they had planned to do like a... Uh, like a roaming poetry event, kind of like a, a poetry crawl, so to speak. Um, the government basically formed a perimeter around their home uh, and kept people from coming in and out, including intercepting neighbors who were bringing them food. So their response was, okay, they took this friend of ours, they're not even letting us protest that they, that they arrested him for this bullshit, and they're also not going to let us eat. So, fine, you want us to not eat? Now we're going to make it a point to not eat. We're going on a hunger strike to draw attention to this cause. Eventually, uh, they are told by the government that, uh, that Dennis had been uh, two days after his arrest uh, tried and convicted uh, of whatever bullshit they put up. They put That's on. a quick turnaround. Yeah, two day, two, from arrest to trial and conviction, two days. Um, and so the long story short of it is that they start this hunger strike. They do start to get some attention which is another interesting point uh, just w that we can touch on later, but just whether that's a, an effective tactic I think has changed. Um, doctors, and we're skipping over some things, but uh, people dressed as doctors. That's, that's key. People yeah. dressed as people doctors. People dressed as doctors go to this place where they're hunger striking, claiming that one of them had tested positive for COVID, one of the hunger strikers had, uh, and that this was a health hazard. Sure enough, these... Even if they were doctors, they were not there to doctor. They weren't doing doctor things. Uh, they were there to beat the shit out of these people, arrest like 14 of them. If you, if you watch the video, mm -hmm. it is very evident that underneath this doctor gown thing that it is uh, military right. getup. The fact is that they were not there to isolate one person with COVID. They were there to arrest more than a dozen people, which they did. Um, and... Uh, over the ensuing few days leading up to present day, and we are recording this on, what's today, the 28th? Today is the 28th. November 28th, there have been uh, protests uh, or demonstrations outside of the uh, culture ministry in Cuba. Right. Which I'm not educated enough on the specifics of this to know why there. I think it's basically like these are artists, and so... This might be the institution we can go to to find some sympathy to lobby for us. No, ap apparently it's the opposite. They, from my understanding, and again, our, I mean, my knowledge of the situation is sure. vague. But apparently, they say that this 
group says they are something, but they are actually just in line with the government and they are oh. as against them as possible. No, no, of course. No, the culture ministry is absolutely a part of the government. It's oh, like the right. de- it's like the Department of Culture right. in the in Cuba's national government. But the reason I say that, that they think that they might find some sympathy is, for example, because they're there, I think what they're trying to do is get sympathy from artists and to and to leverage their influence as artists with the culture ministry. So, for example, Leoni Torres, who is a Cuban, basically pop star, uh, but like blue check mark Instagram, legitimate tours and the whole thing. And he's there. He's at these protests. Uh, Jorge uh, Pergorria, um, who was one of the stars of Fresa Chocolate, uh, famous Cuban movie, uh, also went and like spoke publicly and like, hey, I'm going to go in there and see what I can do for you guys. So I think what they're doing... Uh, has been effective in the sense that they figured, like, rather than go and protest the police, let's go as artists and see how much momentum we can get trying to get the art part of the government, you know, uh, to either side with us or you got to figure, and I don't know enough about the tactics here, but there's also a possibility that it's like, you know, let's force them into into the position of, like, if they're going to leave us out in the cold, let's make them say so. Mm-hmm. Right, like not even the artsy Cuban government people will say this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, that's basically where things stand now. I've probably done a clumsy job of summarizing it, but uh, part of why we're doing this is that I don't think that there are very many good English language summaries of this whole thing, which I'm right. sure we've both kind of experienced trying to look into this. Right. Well, I I think everything is I think they've done a very good job bringing awareness to the the Spanish community. But then trying to show, I I mean, this is 90 miles away from us, right? And as much as we talk about lack of freedom and dictatorships and how everything is going to be taken from us, 90 miles away from us, this is taken away from people. The fact that they can't uh, essentially have any kind of freedom of speech to say and be and live where they want and do what they want. I mean, for people to be on a hunger strike to try to get their, I guess, community member out of being wrongfully accused of I don't know what, they all get taken away by the government at that point. It's pretty incredible that just 90 miles away we would be okay with that. And then also, we're also okay with the fact that Everyone is under this assumption that Cuba is better. This is not better. This is not better. This is not okay. This is not acceptable. And as much as we want to sit here and talk about all the freedoms that we don't have or that we're scared of not having, simply 90 miles away from us, people don't have them. They just don't have them. And we could sit here and be okay with the Beyonce's and the Jay-Z's taking the trips to Havana and the whole thing and the Cuban cigars and continue taking those trips to go to the beautiful beach while there's people in the community that continue to suffer the way that they suffer. Right. And it be so close to home. Right. So I think that there's a, a couple of things that you touched on there that, it, that I, I think maybe uh, I, I did lightly too. The issue of whether things have changed or not, which I think that's where some people's ears kind of perk up a little bit, right? Like, well, what do you mean? Or, of course, they haven't. Like, that's a, that's kind of at least on this side of the Florida Straits, the sticking point is like, have they changed or haven't they? Has right. whatever the guy that I like or don't like did made things better or worse? So, at least from where I'm standing, 
multiple things can be true at once, right? Like there is more internet access now than there was at other times. Sure. However, like with so much else, the allowance of that internet access has been out of necessity for the Cuban government. Because unlike, say, the North Koreans or um, or even to some degree like the Chinese in certain parts of China, mm-hmm. uh, the Cubans rely on tourism. They, they need... Uh, they need good PR. They need uh, to, and I, I say this in part just to bring up a word that we love so much around here, but also because it's true. Uh, Cuba needs influencers. The Cuban government, Jay Z and Beyonce, they yeah. crushed it influence-wise for them. But even like there are people who uh, who travel to Cuba frequently, and that's like their whole thing. Their whole thing is that they are Cuba influencers. Uh, to the point, that, losers, to, enablers. Well, but here's the interesting thing: is that to the point. That in Cuba, the open letter that these people wrote and signed, right, uh, as like a declaration of like, we're fighting for this, this, and this, in the first lines of the thing are like, we are artists and activists and influencers. And they actually say influencers in English. Like, that's the term in Mm. Latin America, I guess. Mm. Which I think is, I I would be very curious to talk to these Cuban influencers and and ask them, like, how do you see what you do? Because there's also not the same free market context that influencers here deal with. So I wonder right. how they understand. I, I don't consume a lot of Cuban influencer stuff, but I do. Cons- I, like, I wonder if some of the Cuban bloggers consider themselves influencers. I wonder if the influence difference between what we're talking about and an influencer, someone that's going to go to a restaurant, wants to get a free ride, and then right. post several stories about this shitty food that they probably ate or didn't eat yeah. or take a bite of and the cheese pull that they have. Is much different for the people that are just trying to keep their country alive. Yeah, I, I think that they. I think that it's more likely that in Cuba, and I don't want to get stuck on this particular thing. I just thought it was interesting from a in the context of this particular podcast. I think it's interesting that I think in at least Cuba, if not certain other countries, that's one of these words that has sort yeah. of stuck and come to mean a wider variety of things than it does here. Because I think that there's also like influencers who will do a lot of like men on the street interviews and that kind of shit. Right. Uh, so anyway. I, th- I think the whole point of this podcast is really to bring awareness to the fact that n- not much has changed. Well, right? what I was going to say about the internet thing. So these people were in this house the day that they were being arrested, and just before these arrests start, their internet access is cut off. Ah, oh, funny. So like immediately. So that's the yeah. You have access to the internet as much as we want before. you to have, and it it is in a sense better than it used to be because if not for that, we wouldn't have had all the other stuff that we have. But it is still at the mercy of the Cuban government, and they will allow what they think they have to allow to maintain their power. They've allowed the amount of Internet access they've allowed because they thought, we can't continue to restrict it this much before we become a PR problem for our tourism industry, right. and for these cigars and for this rum. At some point, you know, people are going to start seeing us as North Korea, so let's like allow it and let's not be as restrictive and then we'll turn off that. We'll close that spigot when it becomes inconvenient, which is what they did. And it became inconvenient. Right. So they turned it off. I don't know. It's it, it's exhausting and just like, uh, I think, disheartening the fact that this can happen so close to us and it's really so removed from people's day-to-day thought process and how we're okay with... Um, fighting so many things but 
us as a people, it's so close to us. These people are fighting for their own freedoms, and it's so close. And the truth is, is something that we talked about just a few weeks ago, is that there's more people standing up, and maybe there was more people standing up beforehand too, but now we can see it. Right. We can see it. As much as the government doesn't want us to see it, we can see it. Right. And I think the biggest difference is, is that between Raul and Fidel, there's a big difference. Right. Raul is, I would say, not as strong as his brother. Right. So he's and not nearly as charismatic. Right. So he is allowing of a little bit more because people like him a lot less. And in that allowing of a little bit more then we can just see a small snippet of what's happening there. You know, right. and in seeing that small snippet. It's like we're on a hunger strike and apparently that's not allowed. You know, like they don't want people to see that. You know why? Because they gain sympathy for a cause that people around the world can can feel for. It doesn't matter what part of the world. You see 14 people on a hunger strike just so they understand why their friend is, uh, I mean, what is it to be taken in and convicted within 48 hours? Right. Seems... Um, to be pretty extreme. Yeah. And to your point about, you know, what, whether things have changed and who's in power and who's not, I mean, I think the perfect illustration of how little has changed and how much of the change is a bit of a facade is that you have Miguel Díaz-Canel, the president of Cuba, and nobody knows who the fuck he is. Yeah. And it's because there's only one party, and he's the president of Cuba, but Raúl's still the president, of the, the head of the party. And so as long as there's only one party, the president is just there... The presidency is just a figurehead presidency. It's the party calling the shots. Mm-hmm. And again, we go back to uh, to some of the things that Rosa Maria was talking about, about the way, for example, that the Constitution of Cuba was adjusted to uh, respond to some of the things that she and her father did. And I'm sure, you know, there's been all sorts of other law, you know, pop up in Cuba in response to other people's activism. Um, I think, you know, just to to take this. You know, not that we have to wrap up or anything, but uh, to a place where people feel, okay, so what the fuck do I do about it? I think that the key is what we were just talking about, about the the public perception thing. Mm. And the key is to share this, right? I think with certain other uh, causes, that can feel like it means less. Right. But this is ultimately a PR fight. You know, this is not, uh, this is not like here in the U.S. where it's a question of, well, how do we get someone so-and-so to introduce this legislation or... How do we vote so-and-so out? Like, that is not the question here. The question right. is, like, make people aware so that there's real pressure. Make noise. Right. This make is, this make is, noise. This is like if we were dealing with a business. The Cuban government is a massive monopoly mm. on everything, and you apply the same kind of pressure until they change what they're doing. Because there is no one to appeal to here, which is part of the fucked up thing about the whole thing, right? Is there, is, there is no higher authority... To say, like, hey, you're not holding this person accountable. Like, no, it, the whole thing is one big fucked up mess. Right. Um, and so, you know, as as futile as it might seem sometimes, I think it does make a difference. And the evidence is in some of the people who have come out who I think under other circumstances, not I think, I know, have been maybe more hesitant, right? Like some of the big name artists in Cuba who are now saying, like, you can tell that they've felt the pressure. And that's not to say that they're not sincere, but they've felt the pressure of, like, I can't be on the sidelines right now. I can't just be, like, comfortable with how famous and well-off I am right now. At some point, like, I got to make a decision. And I think it also speaks to the, the human aspect. Like, mm-hmm. it, the line, it's not all as black and white as in Cuba as 
we sometimes like to think that it is, right? Like, there are artists who don't stick their necks out as much as we'd like them to, but they have a breaking point. Like, there is a line where once things have crossed that line, even they will say, like, this is too much. I can't not say anything now, mm. you know? Well, I mean, because they're... I think the, the pressure part is really what makes a difference because they're sitting there kind of living life well because the government allows them to live life well and right. to be in the limelight because they are kind of... They are the ones that show that things have quote unquote changed, right? Because there are stars or whatever in Cuba now. But if they sit on the sideline, then they'll lose the support of everybody. And I don't think that right now they can afford that. Right. Which is the whole point of doing this weird podcast on a Saturday afternoon right. in uh, quarantine studios here right. of Nick's house because people need to make noise. And whether. Five people listen to this podcast or 5,000 or 5 million. It doesn't really matter to me because someone now may be made aware of a situation that they didn't know of before. Yeah. And that's the whole point of this. So I want to, to your point about making noise, I want to shout out a few Instagram things, which I think is probably where most of our It's actually, lives. this is the, the, this is the one good thing that's come from social media. There you go. Uh, so Movimiento San Isidro is on Instagram as M-O-V underscore San Isidro, which is S-A-N-I-S-I-D-R-O. So you want to check them out. Um, I would also look into uh, Luis Manuel Otero Alcantara, uh, who is one of the primary, uh, you know, protagonists of this this protest movement in support of Denis Solis. Um, I I could be wrong. Maybe I'm not 100% up to date because things have been changing minute to minute. But uh, if he was released, he was the last person to be released. Uh, so he is one person who uh, has been uh, sort of at the forefront all of, of all of this. He's Luis Manuel, M-A-N-U-E-L, period, Otero, which is O-T-E-R-O, Alcantara, A-L-C-A-N-T-A-R-A. We'll tag all of these things in the show notes and all that stuff, but just in case. Um, and uh, I would follow uh, Cuba Decide. And Rosa Maria Paya, who were guests, uh, she was our guest a few podcasts ago. Um, I, I, and then from there, I think you can click around and, and follow other things. But I would say the, the thing that maybe the most people are unaware of, because this might be something that turns off or, or intimidates some people, if you go to the bottom of a caption that is not in your native language, there's usually a C translation yeah. link. Uh, and you should use that. It's actually surprisingly good. Uh, except for when a lot of slang is used, but that has intended to be the case with uh, with some of these like organizations, declarations, and captions on on social media. So use that uh, that translation function uh, and and kind of you know stay up to date and share. And you know if you're just hanging out at a bar with friends or whatever, you know whatever. I don't know. Bring it up. Tell them about it. Share the thing to your story. Um, it's uh, it's, it's fine to do clapping emoji reactions to other people's stories uh, in private, but at the end of the day, you know, what's, what's, the, what's the point of being here if we're not going to exercise all of, the, uh, all of the liberties that come with not having to worry about what's going to come out of, like, sharing the wrong story to your Instagram, you know? Right. Right. Um, other things are occurring to me. I just don't want to keep ranting. So no, you know, it's cool. I, there is a, a tangential thought that has occurred to me. Please share. And maybe you will disagree with some of this. But oh, man. Who knows? Oh, baby. 
not I don't want to make this about domestic politics. However, Ooh. however, I think that this is as good a time as any. Uh, at the, not because I think it will distract from the the Cuba issue, but because this is like when it's most um, uh, relevant. For a long time now, we have uh, in our domestic politics had a, a wide conversation that ranges. It runs the gamut of each side accusing the other of being in support of some version of Cuban-style dictatorship. Right. You're a communist because you're voting for this guy. You're a fascist because you're voting for this one. You're this and you're that and whatever. Uh, and some of the people who do this, this is not... This is people all the way from, I'm sure, in... Uh, you know, if uh, in your personal network, all the way up to like national media figures. Uh, I know that's the case for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I have people in my thing that oh, these people are communists, and then on the other side, there's people sharing, you know, cute little graphics of Trump looking like he's Fidel Castro and all that bullshit. No, that is not a thing to fuck around with. And the reason that I say that is because for all of the damage that people point to Trump as having done to our political culture, if you have been participating in that, and I'm not going to name names because there's just too many names to name, uh, but I welcome anybody to message me or whatever and ask whether I'm talking about you and I will gladly tell you. If you have been contributing to that, then you have been contributing to a national psychosis that has us all talking as if we are on the brink of a Third Reich, regardless of who was going to win this election. People talking about Joe Biden as if he was going to launch some kind of a coup, or Donald Trump like he was going to build some kind of a couch cushion fort and refuse to leave the Oval Office. If <laughs> couch lost, cushion fort. None of that shit is going to happen. What we're seeing right now in Cuba, that is what that looks like. In this society... People who have stupid ideas have to go through courts, and they get denied by judges they themselves appointed. So to pretend that what we have been dealing with or the thing we've been staring down the barrel of is the threat of four or eight or 16 years, as was the suggestion uh, of, or 12 years rather, of that Lincoln Project bullshit ad where they put this, it was an, an ad in the future where this mom is all distraught because she's telling her child that Donald Trump won a third term. And I know, yeah, I know I told you he couldn't win three, but he did. What are we going to do? Now we're living in this world. Fuck you. If that's what you've been doing, because what I think it does is that it dilutes the severity of what's happening in Cuba because we have so many people who've been pretending for years now that we have been living under a system like the one that we're watching take effect 90 miles away. And that is not what we're dealing with. You can have all kinds of problems in one direction or the other. I know I do. I know you do. But anybody who says, and I don't care who you're, who, I don't care what you lived. I don't care what your, what prison your grandfather was in. That is not this. I don't care who told you what about how comparable the two things are. They are not. And this has never been in my lifetime, despite how much I can stand certain governments and certain people in the government, whatever, it has never been what people are living in Cuba. Uh-huh. And I could not bring myself to say to someone in Cuba with a straight face, like, oh, yeah, I know what you're dealing with. Like, we almost got there because who knows? Who knows what happens if Trump wins? Right. No, no, Bobby. Not only that, 
But, and I'm, I don't know that he was a Trump supporter, but that was maybe my favorite part of, uh, of uh, Denny Solis's uh, interaction with, uh, with that cop. Did you catch his Donald Trump shout outs? No. It was mainly more like, uh, you could tell that it was meant more as like a, a fuck you, like you're so illegitimate. He was saying, he was referring to Donald Trump as his president. But it was more a taunt, like, like fuck you, like, you're not even real. Like, my president is Donald Trump, just sort of as like that. That's how insignificant you are. Y están así por elecciones. Porque hay que salir mi presidente Donald Trump. Lo estoy esperando aquí. Yo no sé cuál es la parafernalia que está formando él. Que llame, que llame a su gente, que lo estoy esperando. Esto se ha calentado. But the fact is that, you know, uh, and I'm not referring just to a Donald Trump thing. I was in Wisconsin in 2013 when people were parading around to calling then-Governor Scott Walker uh, Stalin and Hitler, and they were with their signs and the whole thing, uh, when people were calling Obama a communist and, and all the rest. No, that is not what we're talking about. This is what that really looks like, and we are nowhere near any of that. So uh, I th- to me, it's a two-pronged thing. It's uh, realize how serious this shit is in Cuba, and don't pretend that it's anything like what we've been dealing with here. And also, for our own good, on this side of the Florida Straits, anytime that we divorce ourselves from reality, we, we move ourselves farther away from actually making things better, because there are things that can improve here. Of course. But if you want to improve things here, you have to confront them as they are, not pretending that you're, that you're running up against a new Nazi party. That's mm. not what's happening. So, that's my little half-tangent rant. Man, what a rant. Welcome to Saturday afternoon at Nick's house. <laughs> I think there's a lot of um, truth in that. I think the fact that we're so quick to, because everything turns into a meme or a GIF or a social media statement so quickly. When you look at the fundamental differences that Cuba's been living under this for 60 years, right? So these people have never experienced freedom. And we are fortunate to have. So I could sit here and say, fuck Donald Trump. Right. I could equally say, fuck Joe Biden. And you can have all kinds of good reasons for both. And I could have good reasons for both. And I'm not going to worry about some cop coming into my hallway telling me that he's going to take me away. Even if I tell him that his fucking, his president is a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. And that he's his fucking puppet. Because that's essentially what they are. Right? I don't have to worry about that. I shouldn't worry about that. You know why? Because I'm free to do whatever the fuck I want. And that's the fundamental difference is that we could sit here and do all the comparisons that we want. But being able to sit there and do the comparison is more than anything that these people can do, obviously, because they just did that comparison. And then he was uh, taken away two days later and then convicted uh, 48 hours after that. I don't fundamentally know a lot of things about these people. But what I do know is that we quickly always go to judge and we go to support plenty of other causes that we may not know or understand about or things that may not be near and dear to our heart here in South Florida. This subject is very important to us. You know why? Because the whole reason that that thing exists is why we're here to begin with, is why my grandparents came, your family came, so many other families came. And that's why South Florida is primarily a Hispanic community. And, you know, like, of the people screaming till they're fucking blue in the face about how someone is like Fidel and how Joe Biden is a communist and how Trump is whatever the fuck Trump is. 
you don't really know. You don't know because I could almost guarantee you that you haven't lived it, right. like what these people are living through right now. So, and I'll and I'll say also because you brought up you know everything being a meme and how quick people are to do this and that. I personally, like, I don't want people to say a particular slogan or be about a particular thing beyond. And this is this to me is the key, and this is where I think here and often in Cuba. Uh, Activism misses the mark of finding a consensus point. The only thing that this should be about is that these people should be able to say whatever it is they want, whether you agree with it or not. And I'm sure that if I dug into all the things that each of them would say, number one, each of them would think different things, and number two, I would disagree with a lot of it. Right. But the key is none of them should be in prison for having said or thought them. Right. And that's where I think the important thing begins and ends, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I really think that that's the only thing that we hope comes out of one person somewhere hearing this, right? We're right. not trying to convince you even to not be a communist. Be a communist, but be a communist that doesn't put people in prison for not being communist. Right. You know? Um, or advocate for it or look the other way when it happens or, or whatever. So, it uh, feels like we've this yeah. has run its course. Do you so, have other things you want to say? No. Okay. No, I'm good. I mean, uh, like, I'm never uh, mentally prepared to do a podcast on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. I'm always ready. <laughs> uh, I you think... have glasses now, though. You look like someone who's ready to do a podcast on a Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can see better. That's all I can tell this you. This is where I plug in that song. I can see clearly. Oh. Uh, so uh, we're not going to do the shameless plugs and stuff, but I do want to shout out because I told him we would smoke these cigars on the podcast, and we've smoked so many. They're delicious not on the podcast. Uh, yeah, we're smoking Charter Oak by Foundation Cigars. Thanks to Nick Melillo for sending these over. Delicious. Uh, and you know what? How's this for a shameless thing? I'm not even going to plug our stuff. If you want to send stuff to us, uh, DM us on Instagram, Pancom Podcast. Send yeah. us cigars. Send us booze. We'll drink all your weird booze. Uh, uh, today we're actually sponsored by Dade Mag yeah. and their blind tasting. <laughs> today we're drinking uh, canned mojitos. Yeah, this is a five drinks company, canned mojito, uh, and we have a blind tasting video coming up with this uh, as well as some other products. So, Oh, and you know what? Here's another another plug for somebody else, another free plug. Check out the um, the Redacted Gentleman. Oh, yeah. This is John Falco's podcast. We might have mentioned it before, For, but I actually former, only... Former uh, Pancom podcast... Uh, alum and blind tasting alum. He's done oh, all yeah. the things. He's done all the things. Uh, so John Falco, um, who is at Lincoln's Beard Brewing and Maxwell Com- uh, Maxwell Brothers Clothing Company, which is not a clothing company, and Strange Beast uh, Pizzeria Brew Pub, mm. um, has a podcast called Redacted Gentlemen. We touched on some of this uh, in your interview with John. I did also in my interview with him. He is uh, formerly from military intelligence. He was in Navy intelligence and um, the Defense Intelligence Agency. And it's him and a buddy of his who I think maybe they serve together, but this other guy's still active, and they do a podcast not exposing all of their secrets or anything, but it's just interesting. Like They, they, they approach big topics from the standpoint of like a, of a, a, an intelligence community person and how they analyze and break down problems. And it's everything from like how to be happy 
to uh, do UFOs exist? You know, I think it uh, also a shout out to uh, the food newsletter Family Meal mm. that uh, they actually referenced, and I'm not just shouting them out because they referenced us. It's a good newsletter. I actually subscribe to it, so I actually pay for the thing. Um, they referenced an interview you had during quarantine with Brett Sawyer from the right. Plum in Cleveland. Yeah. So shout out to them. I recommend to look them up 100%. And I think we've gotten out all the things we wanted to get out That's here. That's all the stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's more stuff, but it's not built for a podcast like this. No. All right. That's it. Is that it? That's the, that's the abrupt end. And we'll leave all of this in there. We're just going to trail off. Is it? Yeah, I think so. We're going to have trail off music? I'm a different guy with glasses.